0: Good morning, Steve Seifert.
1: Happy Fourth of July.
0: Yes. You know, though, this isn't going to... People are going to hear this on the Fourth of July. That's not my problem. Hmm. Okay. Well, since you let the, uh, the fireworks out of the bag, I just got back from the uh, Signal Mountain Parade. Yeah? How cool to live in a small town and have a small town parade and children throwing out candy and people with their dogs, kids on bicycles, fire trucks, every police officer, every fireman, every Boy Scout troop. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I lived there. It's really like that there. It really is like that there. We, I, was, I have to admit, I, I teared up just a bit.
1: <laughs> Isn't that silly? I think I'm getting old. Years before I moved there, of course, I only lived there for two years, but years before, I, I went up there on Signal Mountain and I got lost and I pulled over. I saw a church letting out on a Sunday. And I asked this guy, this old guy, hey, which way do I go to get down the mountain? And he looked at me and he said, why would you want to leave? <laughs> How nice. <laughs> I like that. I'd never heard that story. Yeah.
0: Well, constantly people are getting lost up here. It's a, the town's probably, I don't know, two to 3,000. Maybe it's more. I don't know. Maybe 6,000. I don't know. But it's, uh, you know, there's one main road that goes through the middle and a bunch of curvy roads off to the left or right of that that go through some subdivisions that have been around you know since the uh, late 1800s because this was kind of a vacation area. There used to be a trolley that comes up here yeah that, that came cool. up from the valley and the tracks are still there and uh, anyway, it's easy to get lost and you know you'll be talking to me with me walking down the road on a cell phone and it's unusual if somebody doesn't stop and say, hey, how do
1: you get back out to that main road Well now you have a new line. A new line? Yeah. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Why would you want to do
1: that? So I've got something really neat here from Don Newhauser. He uh, he's a Dulcimer builder. Lives in Indiana. He's a miniature Dulcimer builder, isn't he? He's, how tall is Don? <laughs> no, Don is full size, hundred and first airborne. Oh, Don's airborne. full size.
0: <laughs> I'd heard that. Okay, I got that mixed up. No, makes...
1: he really he builds a uh, he builds really nice Galax Dulcimers. He's got the the Dulci bro. It's like a a Dobro Dulcimer. Um, He builds regular ones, but these, this one here is one of his miniature ones. And this, I think it's less than a foot long. It might be exactly a foot long. Um, The distance between the open, you know, the distance between the nut and the seventh fret is exactly the width of my hand, which is interesting. Um, But he quit building for a little while. And um, so now he's doing it again. And I'm just, hey these are cool and they they're under 250 bucks and they really work yeah so uh, can you hear that? yes let me just play a, a tune on it real quick. Uh...
0: Isn't that cute? That is cool. How about, give me a little Yankee Doodle. Yankee Doodle?
1: So anyway, check it out. It's great. And um, I mean, it's it's the size of the new uh, iPhone 6 Plus. 6 Plus.
0: Certainly the size of the new iPhone 7, probably. Right. <laughs> Though when people hear this, they might we might be up to the iPhone 12. And, yeah, and, and in a, the
1: future. In an ugly scenario, like let's just say um, the economy falls apart and there's roving blackouts roving or rolling Uh, what would be harder to have in a survival kind of scenario you've got a phone that needs a battery or a little dulcimer that needs strings which one I guess the strings are easier to get right Hmm. in a post-apocalyptic kind of situation all
0: right so post-apocalyptic the strings you you could use to protect yourself what do you
1: mean? I guess. Oh, well, that's Well, I ugly. mean, is it,
0: kind of as a weapon if you had to.
1: That was outlawed of World War II, by the way.
0: Yeah. You could also use the uh, strings pulled very tight, like to, to take bark off of a limb in order to make, you know, you, you'd find that the, the good nourishments between the bark and the, and the leafy, the fresh part of the stick, maybe. Well, I don't know. Well, my point, like as far as... You can s- make friends. You can make friends with music. Yeah, and you can get a... You probably play for your food you know. Have you ever thought about that, Steve? If uh, I mean, Now, I don't want to lose. <laughs> I started to say I don't want to lose my job, and I'm thinking, wait a second, you don't kind of don't really have a job. But if, uh, and I would never wish this to happen, but, but if it all went south on me, you know, my house burned down, turns out we were, you know, two days late on in our insurance payment, and everything was gone, even my instruments, I feel like I know enough people that would be kind enough to help if I said, look, the thing that I need most of all, of course we need a place to stay tonight, Put it in. help me get an instrument so I can start street performing. That's the thing that I would do first. What do you think about that? I think playing music, you can always make a living as long as you're healthy. That's why taking care of our health as independent musicians is really important.
1: Yeah, well... um, As far as looking towards a nasty scenario like you describe, and let me, I want to group what you just proposed in with something worse. Let's just say you're living in Florida and a hurricane hits. Like Bing Futch says, that's always something you got to be ready for. And I think he said you want to have like a couple weeks of supplies on hand, right? And I'm not interested in... Personally, I want to be ready for two or three weeks of no electricity or no place to live or whatever. I don't really feel competent to prepare for more than two or three weeks. But let's say that um, if this if you're saying if your house burned down, is that the scenario? Yeah, and I'm not talking about post-apocalyptic right, right, right. And, We're just... and
0: stacking food so that you can do everything. <laughs> By the way, people who—somebody's who, going to get mad because this is almost political here, but I think people who hoard food and stuff, you're only going to live a couple weeks longer than everybody else, and people are going to be trying to break in and kill you. And it seems to me like if you hoarded food, you might even live—if you have a good heart, you might live shorter than everyone else because you'd feel like, I, I don't want everybody else to— I don't want to see all my friends die. Yeah, but that's a lot
1: of ifs. You're also. I know. I mean, we don't want to deny somebody that the uh, the attempt to survive. Are we really? Listen, (laughs) let's. We got We got things lined up here. Number one, if your house burns down, okay. The first thing I'm going to do is I got to make sure I have a computer and a gig. I'm going to probably try to line up ten gigs in a row and i'm going to get a computer from somebody like there's you, windows mac whatever i'm sure i can get somebody's old laptop going tell me why that's more important than having an instrument well because i'm an internet farmer i mean for the most part um it's it's going to be the way that i keep track of things communicate with people um announce things you know it's 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 really I don't like that it's come down to all this electronic stuff, but I'm thankful for it. It's the way I get things done and live in community. Um, it's, you know, I'm not living in the computer, but, and I'll tell you, if if I could have one electronic device after a house fire, it would be my iPhone, because I can do video on it, audio, take pictures, I can take care of my calendar. My email. I think I want 10 gigs lined up and a working iPhone. Ten gigs of RAM or <laughs> Right, right. And then I That's of funny. course. You, you know, can I never put those, those two together. Do you ever put those two together? No, never.
0: Because we talk about the importance of gigs of RAM. Our lives are all about gigs. One way or wow. the
1: other. Whoa. Whoa. That'd be funny if a girl was like, "Hey, my new boyfriend comes with sixty-four gigs." <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's a if she's she's dating a Dolsmer player, she better hope he does. You know, the more <laughs> gigs, the better, right? Yes. Wow, I like this. Unlike your phone, a musician can have too many gigs. Yes. Like you don't ever see somebody with a phone saying. I think I need to get rid of a few of these gigs. Now, I talked to a,
0: a mutual friend of ours
1: yesterday who, uh, Andre
0: is who it is, but yeah, he won't hear this, but he said his only regret about buying the the largest phone on the planet is he didn't buy the largest amount. He didn't buy the greatest number of gigs that he could buy because <laughs> it turns out you need that. But listen, if, if your house burned down and you're an independent musician and I do see that you have a way that you need to communicate, but if, I think because you also have friends, you could do that at somebody else's house and you could, I, I would recommend to you, if you told me all this happened to you, that you go online and you say, Hey folks, I need to be able to make a living and I make a living making music. Will you help me buy an instrument? And some kind of a thing could go together. And I'd be more likely to donate to you if you were doing that than if you were buying a computer. Because you can borrow technology. No, yeah, you I, could probably borrow. An I don't
1: need a, anybody to give me a dulcimer either. I would want to borrow that too. And the reason I say that is, <laughs> I'm pretty picky about my dulcimers. You know, you are. So you need. Yeah, I think you would need to get one
0: built though. Uh it's funny because even having this, this is a weird conversation. I'm really surprised that it went this way. But this is Independence Day when we're there. Are it, rockets so in why. the air? There are. Uh I think
1: I don't want to get political but you know there's, you there's so much controversy Dan, dan dan yeah. if you get political I'm going to have to meet you there. Yeah, I'm not going to get political. But, <laughs> so that's where I'm,
0: I'm not going to let it go
1: cuz you and I we won't we won't
0: meet we'll have to throw rocks across we on We agree golf. on
1: a lot of things.
0: Some. But anyway, there's a a tendency to look down on those certainly who act like they expect to be taken care of uh but then i if you can't sort of out of life expect your friends and family when you're having a tough time to kind of be there to help you get started again not to support you if you're healthy but i think that's what friends and family do and it's i almost feel guilty for thinking like if all my stuff burned down i would ask i would ask publicly hey could you guys help me buy a dulcimer and i don't think i should feel guilty about that
1: i i don't feel like i expect my friends to help but i certainly would hope they would and i would really be glad you know when they if they did and i i think i think everybody gets that that's the thing politics if I think if you look at it on a big scale with millions and millions and millions of people, it's not as clear as when you're looking at like what do we do with our street here, the people on my street like if the guy across the street's house burned down, I'm out there helping i'm you know right um yeah very interesting point, so
0: today seeing people from you know all over signal mountain all out for this parade it was really cool and you're saying hi to people you know left and right the only other time that i see that uh, now maybe this would be different if i had a, a child in high school or something we were going to football games but the only other time i've seen it like this was when those tornadoes came through a few years ago and trees were down everywhere it was like a big hug fest on the streets everybody's out working and moving sticks and trees and helping people out of their driveways and stuff and clearing the roads, you know, to make it, make it safe again.
1: I think people should be prepared for something like that, like a a hurricane or what you're talking about. And, um, I don't have a problem with people trying to be ready for more than that. My whole question, I mean, I, I bought a little box. I have a box in the garage that should get me, you know, four weeks, but all that does is means that I know now I got I have to come rob your house. I have a bullet waiting for you, Dan. skull <laughs> <laughs> So, but no, but really, I love animals. I um. Okay. We've rescued a couple cats. Seriously. You have animals
0: in the box? No. <laughs> Freeze dried animals? Is that what's happening to all the cats? No.
1: Cats are sweet. Okay. So the question is the the strings, and this is a relevant question, I think so I always tell my students like sometimes students get overwhelmed with all the options. There's so many things you could be pursuing, you know, trying to learn. And I tell them, look, you guys have nice dulcimers, you know, especially nowadays, people generally have well-built instruments. They're comfortable to play. They're in tune. They sound great. I tell them, you know, if you got stuck on a desert Island and you didn't know any tunes, and you didn't have any tablature or anybody to play with, these instruments, are; they can be played in such a way that you can just make up enjoyable stuff the rest of your life on that desert island. But of course, you got to have enough strings, right? And I guess the dulcimer has to survive whatever calamity mm-hmm. falls. But the, the, this sounds like I'm just talking about hogwash. But the point is... You need very little to enjoy this instrument. Of course, you can benefit from having all the tablature and everything, but if you get this thing in tune, you can run your finger left and right, and the wrong notes have been removed. It's it's a pleasant instrument. And I guess I get them thinking about that scenario because I want them to know, hey, why don't you start with a foundation of something simple and beautiful and enjoyable, and let that be your foundation. And then any complexity you bring in can be attached to that. But too many people start with this idea that they're not a musician yet. And I tell beginners, hey, decide right now to be a musician right now. Because the complexity isn't going to necessarily make you a better musician. I think a good musician is somebody who just plays from the heart. And especially somebody who can take the material and simplify it as much as they need to, to make sure that basic, awesome human expression is able to happen. So the desert Island scenario, I, 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 I try to inspire people with that, but it all comes back to what if you run out of strings? So how many sets of so if I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and recommend 300 sets of dulcimer strings in the garage. The problem is if you're a hammer dulcimer player, you can't have three. But don't yours last? We have longer? 300. We have 300 sets on there to begin with. Right. <laughs> we could break a lot of strings and still keep going. What's the deal on your double courses? Like when you hit a string, you're usually hitting two, right? yeah except for the super low bass notes if you have a large instrument so when th- those double course, is that actually one long string or two strings? It used to be one long one, and most people
0: switched to two because when you had one long, if it broke, you'd you'd lose the whole note. But prior to that, it would be one long one that uh, it, that went across like four or five times uh, the, the, a lot of the older instruments had multiple strings per course. Can you imagine tuning those? When I, hear, when I hear one, quite often they sound really good, though. And, and I think maybe that's as the instruments became more resonant, uh, they found that they didn't need to put as many on there, which is more likely to make people want to play it because there's less time spent tuning. Though I, I kind of would like to have an instrument that had, especially when you get to the top, at least three, probably up to five strings per course. Those sound amazing to me.
1: Five strings per course.
0: Yeah, they just they're so bell like. Hey, I just had an idea, and I'm gonna put a flag down here, which means we can stop and not use this if we don't want to. That's our internal talk for that. But what I think we ought to do is go ahead and make this be a special Independence Day podcast, and we could just release this today.
1: That's an exciting idea.
0: Cause we already have recorded one for Monday.
1: All right. I'm into that. Let's do it. So the thing is. Did you know? Did you know that most people don't know why we celebrate the 4th of July?
0: I think if you were to watch popular television and see them go do a man on the street interview, you might leave thinking that but I think that doesn't represent average people, and I think it represents even when it does, it represents average people when a celebrity and a camera and lights are in their face, well, sure. asking them questions. So maybe if you look at it that way, I think most people do, though.
1: Well, why do you? Why think, did you say that? Why do you think we're celebrating the Fourth of July?
0: We are celebrating our independence as a nation. We declared independence
1: from England. That's good. You get Is that incorrect? I think that's true. It depends on who you talk to, but I agree with you. Okay. Are you a little nervous that we might be wrong about it? Yes. <laughs> well, that's not good, Dan. <laughs> no, but it's that it's that thing that have Hey, I've been a music
0: I've been a musician most of my life and I know music pretty well. I I was on a college campus and a phone call came into a payphone. And, they, and it was just some people punking people walking by the phone, freshmen. And it, they pretended to be a radio station. And for $200, they said, name the Beatles. <laughs> and I could only name three.
1: Well, Because nerves, nerves kick in and you don't think well. There's just one thing. If you could memorize this, you'd be ready. Because when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve. If you could just memorize that, you'd have a good answer yeah and people don't dissolve. That's more like that's more like uh instant coffee, but people can dissolve the political binds which have connected them with you know anyway, sure, so when you were talking through that last bit
0: there about uh being free to play, you don't have any tablet or anything, I'd like to kind of riff on that whole freedom idea for a minute.
1: This is interesting. You're talking about us having a discussion about what it means to be free or what freedom is? On an instrument. On a dulcimer, I would say.
0: Yeah. And how it relates to uh, this country saying no. And maybe
1: uh, tablature is England. Now, come on. What about... (laughs) That's not going to get us on well with all the uh, folks in the London dulcimer (laughs) club. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we have to throw their sheet music overboard. I am not protest. currently being oppressed by England. And you know the thing here... It could be uh, England, Dan, and John Ford Coley. No, that was depressing. That was... Oh, my goodness. You don't remember that, do you? I think that... Here's the thing that I think is interesting. I, I'm not a big fan of... Uh, the The British oppression of the colonies, <laughs> but dude, he did send his army over here, and they didn't pay anything for a long time. They had like a free ride, so I don't know what to say. I know that I'm glad I live in the United States of america and i and uh but I guess my point is sometimes tablature can be helpful, and I don't think it's wrong to pay for it, <laughs> right. Okay, listen. Here's the deal. If we were just to talk about freedom, here's what I've always said. On an instrument, yeah, because you start getting factions <laughs> and perceived See, factions. You're afraid. I'm. I'm perceiving <laughs>
0: that there are factions within in your own brain that you know, are like you're even afraid to talk about this because people will get mad at you, which is how wars no, start. No, no, no. Silly things. I'm
1: good. I'm good. I mean, the thing is, you know, let's start with this, the perceived oppression. Sometimes you hear two people express an opinion about a certain way of playing the dulcimer. And if you're not careful, <laughs> you're going to think everybody or half of everybody thinks that. When it, sure. It might and just could be, be the those people- two people. Well, they might be the two people
0: that are most influential in your life, though, that are introducing you to this thing.
1: So, I guess, though, what happens is sometimes I perceive there's a faction that doesn't like uh, what somebody else is doing on the dulcimer. You shouldn't play it like that. You shouldn't have that fret or you should have this fret or whatever. It's a whole bunch of shoulds, basically, which really may not be a problem, but let's say it is. I've always thought, you know, I didn't choose this instrument, this particular instrument, so that I would be bridled with all of these rules and expectations. I was attracted to the freedom this instrument provided. I mean, the fact that it's not mainstream the fact that there's not a whole bunch of methods saying this is how you do it. That was exciting to me. I chose this instrument so that I could have fun and do whatever I want, you know? Um, Now, of course, I believe in do no harm and be a good member of the community. <laughs> but sometimes when somebody says, yeah, I don't think dulcimer should be used for such and such, I think, well, that's that's fine. But I... I I don't care.
0: It's different, Steve. If somebody says, "I don't think dulcimers should be used for such and such," or they say, "I don't think you should use dulcimers for such and such," I think therein lies the problem.
1: Yeah, I don't feel that they can think, a think it lot. all
0: they want. They can think they don't want to do that all they want, but it is a problem when they start putting, you know, boxes around what other people should do and tell them that this is the way it should be.
1: And I don't think people are generally telling other people too much the way things ought to be. Probably not. I think most people express it like this. Somebody might say, I don't like playing on the chords. I don't like playing chords on the dulcimer. The dulcimer wasn't made to be played that way. Something like that's pretty charged. Or somebody that says, I don't like noter style (laughs) players. Uh, It it just kind of makes an annoying sound. I don't think that's... Nobody wants to hear those opinions, honestly. I mean, maybe if you're preaching to the choir, but my dad always said, if you if your buddy comes to your house in his new pickup truck and you're thinking it looks terrible, just tell him he's got a nice looking truck, you know? Just tell the so, guy, Congratulations, you got a nice truck there. I mean, is it really a moral imperative, this whole Dulcimer well, uh, thing? <laughs> so this
0: you use the word moral in there and, and- I don't want to go that way. But what you're talking about, though, is something that comes up when people talk about morality. It's You're talking about teleology. Do you know what that word means? I mean, I'm not putting you to the test. A teleology is when is an account giving of a thing's purpose. So like somebody says, dulcimers weren't made to cord. And taking it outside of that for a minute, a teleological explanation of why forks have prongs is people would say, well, forks have prongs to help humans eat certain food. You know, and and maybe that's true because humans designed forks for that reason. But a dulcimer, you have to be careful because people apply reasons for existence to things based on the way they use it when its design was probably just to make music. Yeah, just to have a little fun, man. Yeah, it wasn't to make me people make music a certain way, but there are these emergent properties that happen with things, and clearly, the the mountain dulcimer, one of the emergent properties, is that six and a half fret. I don't see any instruments. I mean, I'm sure there are some, but at that festival, I will bet ninety, the one we were just at, ninety nine percent had a six and a half. Right. And what would you say the percentage of
1: of one and a half are now it's growing so i'm I always look in a class that's one thing i've got I've developed a habit of I'll just eyeball all the dulcimers if there's thirty people in the class and it's intermediate if it's an intermediate class, I'm pretty sure there's ten of them with with one and a half frets If it's a beginner class, you'll just have a few and um the thing is, I, I don't care. I mean, I know that I don't, I play chromatic dulcimer, and I love that, but I also love diatonic. It's an essential benefit to get that scale when I slide. I don't get that on the chromatic, and it's a handicap, which is For our-
0: newbies, hey, for newbies, quick, quick explanation chromatic versus diatonic what do you mean
1: well usually a a normal dulcimer for the most part gives you a scale do re mi fa so and then a chromatic is going to give you additional notes basically giving you all the notes you would find on a piano Um, could you play us do you still have your little dulcimer in your hands? yeah but i don't have a chromatic here but But
0: you could play the diatonic and you know how to do the
1: um, so the chromatic would actually have more notes in there. And um, I like them both. But uh, my primary instrument's going to be diatonic. I don't use a one and a half, but i if that's all I had, I would. I don't care. It, I don't think it hurts the slides. And the six and a half, if everybody decided tomorrow we're getting rid of the six and a half, I'd be totally fine with it. There's plenty of fun that can be had without it. Um. So I guess what we're talking about here is when somebody. I don't know. This sounds charged, but if they seem to, in an impolite way, impose an opinion, you know, on another player, that's what I don't. I don't. I don't much care what y'all are doing with your dulcimers, except that you have fun with it. I. I really. You know. Well, so that's so that's. You know, back to our Independence Day theme,
0: that is... <laughs> it's the imposition
1: of rule <laughs> that makes people get charged. Ooh, that's a good one. So th- that leads directly to this, and I think this is a good point. There's a lot of noter-style players, um, and let's keep this simple. They would like to see more workshops offered at festivals for noter style playing they notice that there aren't many uh classes offered um they don't see the performers use a noter style very often and um i think sometimes the noter players feel a little oppressed i think they should actually they should I- yeah, I agree, because there's...
0: <laughs> I'm going to take their side for a minute. Part of the evolution of this instrument was people playing noter style, and there's lots of cool singing that goes along with that, and uh, I, I wish we heard a little more of that at dulcimer festivals by people who were really good at it.
1: Yeah, and... I mean, I am... Um... I'm really, I guess the first noter noter stuff I heard, it was um, Bonnie Russell and David Schnaufer was introducing me to it, and Phyllis Gaskins and Jen Burris. And uh, there's just been a lot of neat noter players. I go through seasons of being obsessed with it. But here's here's the kind of funny thing, and I don't know what to do with this. Um, People at these festivals, like when I get out my Galax Dull granted, I could be a better Galax style player. And that's just a very particular noter style of playing from uh, the Galax Virginia area. It's not uncommon for somebody to say to me right after I've played a tune on it, they're like, that's kind of neat. But I, you know, it kind of gets on your nerves after a while. And I always think that's crazy that you're just, I just played a song for you that's like bringing a baby. This is my new baby. Your new baby's kind of nice, but it's getting on my nerves. You know, you usually wouldn't say that. <laughs> That's right. Or I like your new baby. Sure would hate to sit next to you on a plane. <laughs> and and I tell There's people... There's no reason to do that. I say, look, yeah. I understand when I first got the Bonnie Russell uh, CD, it, after two or three songs, it actually did get on my nerves a little bit. But I tell him it grew on me, and I started to love started to love it, especially when I started to play it. So I kind of have this, I have a, a, I love that stuff. And I use those same techniques when I'm not using a noter. Um, but I, I guess what happens is when all this is being talked about, the noter player still brings it back to why aren't there more workshops of, for noter players at the festivals? And I've got the simple answer so far it's it's when you offer a noter workshop they don't get high attendance and which, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing it, but what happens is, is the festival director, who's already standing to lose a thousand dollars of their money, you know, when they find out you want to do a noter style thing, they say, well look I don't care if you make that one of your extra workshops, but I want to make one of your main ones be something with a little more appeal and I I'm also I feel I struggle with the feeling like I I I feel a responsibility to share the history of it to some extent but the whole point about independence day if you like playing noter style dulcimer, I ain't going to stop you
0: well but the noter style player people need to gather together and throw all the plastic picks overboard and and ask I'm kidding in a sense but they should ask they should be on their festival directors saying we really want some Notre style classes, and that would change that.
1: And I'll tell you, I can think of a situation, a very specific situation, where they did exactly that, and the festival person said, "Are you all going to sign up for this if we do it?" And then when the darn thing came to be, nobody had hardly signed up for the class, you know. Yeah, but but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing it. Uh but yeah,
0: Anic- You know, yeah. One anecdote doesn't equal actual data, though. There might There might be an undercurrent
1: out there of people who are feeling feeling disenfranchised because of that. I that, think they uh, should. Just, I think there should be. And I've talked to some people about doing a Noter event. And you've got the you've got the um the one that Maddie McNeil's doing. Uh, oh what do they call that festival over there?
0: The one in West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh shoot! See, because we aren't involved in
1: that community like we should be. Let's see. Uh, I'm looking it up. I'm typing. I'm typing. That's okay. We we can deal with a little bit of silence. Crooked Road Dulcimer Festival. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're they're making an effort to be you know more traditional and and um they're they've done it. Mm. They're they're trying to make they're doing some neat stuff. So Steve, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Well, the the thing that you just said, they're making an effort to be
0: more traditional, assumes that people playing with a six and a half fret
1: are not traditional. It's just the evolution of a tradition, right? And at this point, if six and a half fret has been used since the late '60s uh, and more more commonly starting, especially in the late '70s and into the '80s, it's absolutely a tradition now. It may not be the tradition you want, (laughs) but, um, you know, when when you talk about traditional dulcimer playing, you better mention a decade or two or nobody's going to know what you're talking about because there's plenty of people on the West Coast who got turned on by Robert Force and to them, traditional dulcimer playing is what those guys were doing in the late 70s and 80s. Would you describe that a certain way? Which which one the West Coast? What those thing? guys were doing then, yeah. So I yeah, when I
0: think of uh, of of Robert Force's music, I, the first song that comes to my mind is Wellen that tune that he wrote, right? And that's not. I mean, that's it's unique. I, I love it because it to me it's American, very American, and not uh, not just taking a tune from another tradition and. Uh, and, and playing it on this instrument. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's, kind of, yeah. that's kind of my thing that I carry around about the hammered dulcimer is I think what Robert Force was doing then with the mountain dulcimer is what I still want to see happen more with the hammered dulcimer. And it happened some with Unhammered, with Trapezoid, with Ken Kalodner's group, you know, and some of those guys are doing some really cool original stuff. But for the most part, the mountain and hammered dulcimer are instruments that people play songs from other disciplines, like fiddle tunes or Irish music or old-time songs or hymns.
1: You know, people play what they're interested in. And, That's right. And you and I both know if you're not interested in it, it's real hard to work it up, you know? Right. We're different,
0: and this isn't any kind of a slight towards you because you're a master. Your repertoire is so deep. Really? that I'm kind of not worried about what I were to ask ask you to play you just kind of do it. I'm not like that on Hammer Dulcimer. I do a lot of original stuff. Okay,
1: well that's what you're into and it's, That's what I'm that's all I'm saying. It's hard that's to it. get you like if I came up to you, see I don't think it would be kind if I came up to you and said, "Dan, you know, you really ought to learn more of the traditional tunes so that those things don't get lost." I think that's imposing something on you you might not want or need. I think it's okay if I come up to you and say, "Hey Dan, have you listened to some of this particular, you know, stuff? I can help you if you're ever interested. You know, I've got books and I got some recordings. I think that's great. But this sure. this I, this here's where the oppression comes in. People are trying to pay the bills, people are dealing with family issues, sickness. You know, we're all gonna die at some point. When we sit down with the dulcimer, I mean, it basically comes down to let's have a little fun, let's relax, let's take a load off. Hard times come again no more comes to <laughs> That's mind. That's a great song, yeah. And um, I I don't think you're doing anybody a service by telling them what they should be doing, you know? That's right. Because if let's say that you really... Okay, so let me pretend I'm going to tell you what you should do. Dan, you're failing by not... Playing more of the old time repertoire for the Hammer and where you should do more. Okay, well, what are you supposed to do about that? Are you well, supposed to fake interest in it? Like, as a non, I think I'm a, a pretty non defensive person.
0: I, I believe I can take when you point out areas in my life where I actually am failing because there certainly are areas. And I can think of two where I would say,
1: you know, you're exactly right in these two Yeah, like you should drink more water and maybe be more consistent with taking your wife out on a date, but are we really going to take it as far as (laughs) old-time repertoire? Really? Yes, because here's where I'm failing. I am failing
0: to be the kind of performer who would do well at Mountain View. And... When they asked me to play and told me what they wanted, I told them no. I'm not the I'm not the right person for that. And so you could look at that as a failure because there's a gig. That's a great festival. And yeah, but I don't look do. at as
1: a failure. I mean, if you do, that's different. But I yeah, I, but I I'm just
0: saying. So I failed at that. Also, I don't call that I, a failure. Well, I fail at being good at that because I'm not good at that because I'm not interested. What but are that's you supposed okay. to be
1: good at? Everything everybody wants you to be good at.
0: Well, sometimes we think we put that on ourselves. But that's silly. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm I feel no stress about this at all. I'm okay with saying, "Nah, I'm not any good at that." I mean, I'm I, really
1: good at this other thing. I don't like it when somebody ignores their children or when a surgeon leaves a scalpel inside the patient and then sews them up. <laughs> Where are you going? But am I really going to worry about whether or not Dan is playing the right kind of tunes to suit my particular temperament? That's just it's part of the human condition though, Steve. We want to justify what we do by
0: having other people do what we do as well. That's, that's true. We're, we're not gonna change that.
1: So you and me are gonna lean towards independence and freedom. <laughs> and other people no, are more into dictatorial situations where there's oppression and fear.
0: I don't want no.
1: I don't want to create others. No that's right. there's there's too many others already. Oh, here's a good point, Mr. Oppression. Um Sometimes the people who have very strong opinions about what you should be doing, they're the preservers of something. So although you may not like their attitude, they end up preserving something that others can enjoy in the future. Absolutely. See there? That's why I think you should not also shout down the others
0: (laughs) because they're probably doing something that needs to be done. You can't take someone else's lack of maturity or lack of larger perspective that wants to shut you down and just turn it back on them and try to shut them down because it makes you angry, that's also
1: equally stupid. Because then you're intolerant of intolerance. (laughs) That's right. I mean, that stuff's real. Yeah, but I can tell you what. If I bring a a new truck to your house that I've just invested all this time, money, and energy into, and the first thing out of your words are, you shouldn't have gotten a Chevy. You should have got a, you know. I know. I'm just going to look at you and say, (laughs)
0: Well, I want to tell you one other failure because I think this is appropriate for this conversation for Independence Day. You don't, we always, so the David, uh, the Frost poem, which is uh, the road less traveled, you know, and I, I, you know, I stood at the fork and I chose this one and that has made all the difference. That's true for everybody kind of where they are. We always look back and see how we got to the place we are. Sometimes it's not a good place, but I think I'm in a good place. I'm happy with my life. Uh, If I had been influenced, and I did have some people, you know, tried to box me in as a young hammer dulcimer player to do a certain thing, and I didn't didn't like it as much. But if I had gone with that box and said, no, this is what you play, and I had just done that one thing, which was leaning towards an old-time tradition, and I had been doing that at the aquarium where I street performed for so many years for so many hours I wouldn't have gotten the Yanni gig likely because I got that gig cuz I was playing something that I wrote that was funky and weird and had delay going on and you know and it had a wah with it and it was just it was odd unique sounding stuff that got someone's attention now I haven't done as much in my uh, musical career to preserve Old time music, as others have.
1: Uh, well, you have you've run. So I a, failed at that. No, you. I wouldn't call that a failure. Huh. I mean, you've if also you started it. <laughs> you also uh, didn't build a new house last year. You could have built a house in a year, right? But I wouldn't. Yeah, but we're say... talking about this is the Dulcimer Geek Podcast, not the. Yeah, not but the I don't Stephen think you have houses now. See, I, it's, it's okay to fail at things. I think you're yeah, trying but you're, to... You didn't try to do this, so therefore you didn't fail, right? You're not like a... Your goal in life is not to preserve old-time repertoire from a specific, you know, from the 20s, 30s, and 40s or something.
0: Right, but someone could say to me, and forgive the arrogance of this statement, Dan Landrum, you are with, as a prominent... Player in the dulcimer community, you're failing at preserving the old time because
1: you have the magazine and this is something you should do, or something. No, I think I, but I do it with the magazine. That's where I would probably argue with
0: him. I go, oh, oh, hold on there, bossy pants, because I do. (laughs) I just recognize my strengths and weaknesses, and I'm not the best person to do everything, and that's
1: okay. All right, let's just get down to brass tacks. What does that mean? I'm going to look that up, but listen you and I both witnessed this one time. Maybe we've been thinking it, but it just came to the forefront of my mind. I watched somebody sit down next to you and actually tell you, it seemed like they were saying something along the lines of, I'm, they were saying, I'm really sad that a lot of this older hammer dulcimer repertoire seems to be disappearing, and there's all these new modern players, and it almost seemed like they had come to challenge you to to be into what they're into or something there that they, you've got somebody come up to you that has these beautiful memories of a past that included a certain kind of playing a certain kind of repertoire. They come up to you with tears in their eyes to basically say this beautiful thing I love seems to be leaving. And they were challenging you like, what are you going to do about it? So how did you take all that?
0: That, that was a person with a, I think it's important to recognize The value and passion that comes with endearment, and that sometimes, often, matter of fact, almost always, your endearment might not be the same as theirs. The things that you, things that are different from family, you know, you you love your family for obvious reasons, but the path of someone's life might make them love other things that someone else would see no value in. Right. It's important to me to see the value in the people and their passion and that I recognize that they're passionate about this. And forgive me for being all touchy feely about this, but I think it's important to love other people enough that you're going to be really careful about the things that they love as well.
1: Yeah. You're going to respect that they might be different than you. And right. And I think of this with hymns and churches, you know, the older church members miss the older hymns. And so that's, something that comes up but both sides of that can can respect each other i mean here's here's the deal this is what i don't like is if if you're a teacher or a performer you don't need to explain to everybody why your kind of music is better or your kind of teaching is better just play your music let it speak for itself teach let it speak for itself and have some respect that, my goodness, we we don't want to all be doing everything the same way. I love when Phyllis Gaskins is there, and Don Petty's there, and and Robert Force is there, and Butch is there with his uh, with his pedals. Um, especially if you've got four or five hundred people at an event, everybody can kind of get a little taste of everything, and and maybe the noter players can just bask in all the great stuff that Phyllis Gaskins is doing I, I think it's great to let this stuff speak for itself I, I think it's nice to, to offer to share your passion with somebody but I don't want to impose my passion on you I remember people doing this with kids Like there was a kid who was like 9 years old maybe 8 he was playing David Schnoffer music really well And I had somebody, I guess, in their 50s say to me, you know, take me aside and say, well, that kid's doing a great job and everything, but he really needs to do his own stuff. And I kept my mouth shut then, but I've thought of that ever since. No, this kid's like eight or nine years old. He's having the time of his life. I'm not going to tell him he's got to come up with his own stuff.
0: Can I can I be that old guy for just a minute and say that in a different way that and I want to know if you would react differently. All right, so let's do the love part of this equation. So this kid is he's, he's really that's that's cool all the stuff that he's doing there. I can't wait to see what happens when he starts exploring his own music.
1: That's right. That that respects. That's great. Now, I've been in a marriage for a long time and i've not done everything right so i i think it's it makes me sound like an idiot to sit here and just be like you didn't say that right um but i want to encourage people and i want to encourage me too um yeah especially when you're talking about music find a nice way to say it or don't say it at all <laughs> <laughs> i believe <laughs> we need to be more argumentative
0: not less argumentative but do it in a more loving way and learn how to lovingly talk about difficult things. That's I'm way off, but that's my independence day statement and wish for this country.
1: I'm glad it rained yesterday. It's pretty awesome. Um,
0: what, what a geeky independence day program. Really? Mm hmm.
1: Well, I say folks, as long as your arms are still working, <laughs> and, your, and your brain is still working, if you want to have some of the fun in life on a dulcimer, I'm all for it. If I can help in any way, let me know. That's my tune- Independence Day right there.
0: Can I add tune it or die? <laughs> oh, you had to
1: do that. You had Why?
0: to do that. that was, I said it in a loving way. I laughed at the end of it. In uh, my face, I was making a smiley face.
1: Well, you and I both believe in being in tune. I would say that I'm even like a pilot. I'm not just going to check the gauges every hour or at the beginning of the day. <laughs> right. I'm, I've always got my eye on the gauges of being in tune. But here, this is interesting. Here comes your love for you. You ready for a little love? Hmm. Um. Some people can't hear real well mm. anymore. Maybe they used to, and so. They'll get that dulcimer in tune with a tuner, and th- they might check it you know once an hour, but they- they're-, they're not here in everything we are, you know. Then I'll soften mine. Tune it to the best of your ability, or die.: <laughs> <laughs> That's, so, that's so, so mean. I know why you did that. <laughs> I was kidding. You're really a teddy bear. I am.
0: <laughs> I actually wouldn't say tune it or die to somebody.
1: And let me just would, make it real. I would. Clear. I would
0: tune their instrument for them though. Even hammer dulcimers, and I've done it at many a festival.
1: I want people to be in tune. I tell people, it almost uh, doesn't hardly matter what you do on a mountain dulcimer if the darn thing's in tune, you can get away with it. You know. Hey, I've done. Uh, I've
0: done this several times. Gone to a festival, different part of the country. People don't know who you are, and which is totally normal. And before the festival, see someone like with a hammer dulcimer off, you know, quite often you can tell. It's, you can tell by the quality of the instrument. It's a new instrument. It's a new player. It's a person who just doesn't know much about this and they're struggling. And I'll go over and tune their instrument and tune it up for them and help them give them some tips and stuff without ever actually introducing myself, <laughs> which I think is fun. And do you, you do that too, don't you, sometimes? And, or like maybe everybody knows you by now. No, uh, or I mean, help people carry their instruments in, you know, and it's kind of neat. And then later after the you you close out a concert or something, they're coming up and going, You're that guy who helped me at this thing <laughs> and I I like to do that on purpose because I think it's it's what this community's about. We're all just making it happen. Well but f- still tune.
1: <laughs> the funny thing is at a festival, like I remember when I met David Schnauffer, I thought of him. You know, I knew he wasn't as big as James Taylor or Elvis, but in my mind, he wasn't far mm-hmm. from it, you know. But now that that I'm one of the main performers you'll see at an event, uh, n- now that I've done all that stuff, I realize what David meant to me. He said, "He said I'm not, I'm not really famous. I'm more." Uh, Infamous or something like that. I don't know. But, I mean, what I what I know, he, he talked to me about, I forget the words he used, but he was basically saying, this is a really small pond we're in here, you know? That's right. And um, I was just listening to the podcast you did with uh, Butch, Aaron, and Trish, and I liked what Trish said about... By the way, infamous is bad, just so you know. Uh, yeah, I used the wrong word. I'm going to have to yeah. get a dictionary. Uh, what did he say? I'm not... Oh, man. I think he was being sarcastic. But the point, Trish was just talking about, you know, here's somebody who wasn't involved in the dulcimer world. And then she comes in, and she's seeing the community we have. And it really blows people away. She's used to the classical music world or the, you know, the, the people that are into doing uh, musicals and stuff. And she she's been blown away by the the community and the love and the respect that we generally have quite a bit of here in this little pond.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's awesome! I'm thankful for that, and maybe because you and I work a lot of festivals, maybe it's become a cliche to say that. But I guarantee you, when somebody shows up new and they just see this big bunch of friends, you know it's it's uh you it's pretty cool. Hey.
0: We got to wrap this up, and I know, but but I just, you made me think of something. The Hearts of the Dulcimer people who did that video. Oh, yeah. Have started a new podcast. Really? Yeah, and I, I'm trying to recall what the name of it is.
1: What's it about?
0: I haven't heard one yet. It's just, I saw it on uh, Facebook a couple of days ago. So everybody check it out. If you do a search for Hearts of the Dulcimer and podcast. Oh, here it is. I found it. It's uh, Patricia uh, Delick. Is that how you pronounce uh, Pat's last name? I'm not sure. And uh, it's Patricia. And who else was involved in that? So It's we're... the folks who did that. Anyway, it's called Hearts of the Dulcimer and it's brand new. I don't know how many they've done.
1: Wow. But... And there's actually a website, dulcimuse.com. So, D-U-L-C-I-M-U-S-E dot com. Yeah, I look forward to checking that out. And it looks like it might be a video podcast. The first one is showing that it's on Ben Seymour and Scheitholt. So, check it out, podcast listeners. Cool. Well, and hey, if you want to start a podcast, jump on in. <laughs> you know? I think. Yeah. So, uh, well, Dan, I want to wish you um, fast, high, beautiful rockets and, uh and um, I respect I respect you Dan Landrum thank you I'm and <laughs> I don't think you're a failure either <laughs> you should build a house though this next year you know what we're doing we're remodeling one all right I'll I'll see you later dude I geek out.